Hello, my name is Vaughn, and welcome back to the Bold, Beautiful, and Bearded podcast. I do want to address uh, a little error I made in my last segment. Um, I said bald and beautiful, and I'm not bald yet. Knock on, knock on wood, uh, please, gay God, <laughs> which is also a beauty standard for men, um, which I will get into here in a little bit, but this is the bold, beautiful, and bearded, or bold, bearded, and beautiful. Just... I'm new to this, and this is episode one, so just give me a little bit of a break. All right, um, and to error is to be human, right? So, um, and also one of my favorite one-liners from uh, AA is progress, not perfection. And well, I, um, disclaimer, I practice more of a harm reduction-based uh, recovery. Uh, there are some one-liners I do take from NA and AA, and progress, not perfection is one of them. So part of the beauty of the Bold, Beautiful, and Bearded podcast is you will get to see my journey as a podcast podcast host, and part of that will be witnessing my errors. So uh, thank you for witnessing my errors, and uh, I'm very excited to bring to you this next segment of our very first episode on beauty standards. Um, it's going to be beauty standards throughout time, and I'm going to be covering women beauty standards and men's beauty standards, um, and it's going to touch a little bit on culture, which, disclaimer for the whole episode, um, I am a white-passing Mexican man, so I cannot speak to culture's uh, experiences. I also will be linking the websites that I got this information from below, and the one website links specific uh, instances of those people of a certain culture talking about their culture's beauty standards and how it influenced that culture. So I do encourage you to check those out because, again, I'm a white-passing Mexican man, well, part Mexican, whatever, but I can't speak to that. I can only speak to the research and what they tell on their story. So I do encourage you to hear the story from the culture themselves first because no one can, you know, tell it like they can. Um, also, I want to preface this episode by saying... Um, I am accepting of all body types. In fact, I tend to lean a little bit more towards liking men of a bigger stature. That being said, I want people to just accept themselves, whether they're skinny, whether they're bigger, whether they're muscular, whatever that is. I just want people to feel comfortable in their skin. And if that means you're comfortable with being a little bit extra, I mean, hashtag more body, more beauty, I'm all for it. If that means you want to work out and, you know, slim down a little bit, I'm all for it. I'm actually trying to be certified as a personal trainer, so I can help you out with that if you'd like. Um, but my main goal is just to have people see the beauty that is their own skin. And sometimes that takes body modifications, alterations to achieve. I know that the more tattoos I get, I kind of get more self-confidence. So there's multiple ways to enhance your confidence and... Yeah, so that's just a disclosure for, and, and you know, also just like health reasons. Like, I obviously don't want anybody to overeat so they get bigger, or I don't want people to like go into anorexia and bulimia to get skinnier. I mean, I'm here, and then you know, I'm also a nurse. I'm all about like health and healthy ways to get there, healthy ways to achieve those goals if they are your goals. Again, long winded disclosure, but that's just a disclosure. So here we go. Let's go back in time and let's talk about beauty standards. But first, I think I should define beauty because I'm a nerd for words. 
Um, I like so it's kind of funny is like if you know me from OnlyFans or whatever, you would not guess that I'm a nerd, but I am probably one of the biggest nerds you will ever meet. So I'm actually I was a little nervous at first to let people like see that part of me. Uh, but now I'm kind of excited because it's like, again, I love that juxtaposition of like, I look like a jock, though I'm not very uh, sports inclined. I just look like it. Um, but I'm a huge nerd. So with that being said, let's consult Oxford on the definition of beauty. It is a combination of qualities such as shape, color, or form that pleases the aesthetic senses, especially sight. And a little lesson I just learned, I am turning off the sound in my phone because that is going to get distracting and I don't need any more distractions. Okay, so... Again, I also uh, quoted Plato about how beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So again, while these may be societal norms of beauty, there's obviously other definitions. There's obviously other ways to be beautiful. So I think that's a very good uh, platform to start on. So we're going to go back all the way. I'm going to start with the women because women first. Um, the paleo, the paleothic, the paleothic era. I mean, and also I'm terrible at pronouncing words. So just bear with me. Rar. Um, so this is 200 or 2.25, excuse me, 25 million years ago to 10,000 BC. Uh, this is also uh, known as the old stone age. And it's important because the first human artwork uh, is found here. And the specific cult or sculpture I'm talking about is the Venus of Willendorf. It was found in Austria. And let me pull up this little website here. So it is a faceless figurine found in Austria that is heavily focuses on a woman's body. Due to the carving's large breasts, hips, and stomach, the researchers have concluded that this Venus figure was probably used for rituals surrounding fertility, femininity, and um, eroticism. That's uh, a kind of a, 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 like a bustier woman, so to speak. Um, uh, let's see here. It has no face and just has a crown of braids um, or a headdress with that specific pattern. Um, so kind of already we're starting to see like the difference between the beauty standards now and the beauty standards then. Uh, this obviously, well, we can't prove it, but I, I can't imagine an artist making something that isn't their ideal version of that thing. Um, so in this eyes of this beholder, of this artist, the ideal woman was a little bit bigger, bustier, um, and had braided hair, which I think is really cool. Excuse me. Um, so then, then we're going to go into the next era, which is the Hellenistic era. It's uh, 325 BC to 30 BC. And the specific statue that comes to uh, mind here is the Venus de Milo, which is an ancient Greek statue that was carved about 100 uh, BCE, which I've never seen that term. But um, it's pretty much your stereotypical ancient Greece-like figure. The woman, her uh, boob is out, which, by the way, I just want to start and say this right now. Free the nipple, people. Free the nipple, normalize the nipple. I am so sick of, like... You know, just the, I don't even know what to call it. Like the hate on the nipple. Like I'm, I'm of the mindset. I don't care what body type you are. I don't care what gender you are. You should not have to wear a shirt when it's hot. I'm sorry. I don't. 
And I understand that there are reasons why uh, men don't because of, you know, societal crap. And, you know, women, it's it's illegal. So which I just find so stupid, like free the nipple, everybody back to the topic. Um, so this statue is of the goddess of goddess Aphrodite. She is a Greek goddess of love and beauty. Now, a lot of people think that the standards of the ideal type back then were plump, but this statue is a very like fit, uh, muscular woman. Um, though if anyone were to be fat in ancient Greece, it did usually signify someone of extreme wealth. And I always bring this up because again, I, I I have a soft spot for people of a bigger stature. Um, back in the day, and we're going to see this play out throughout a lot of eras and time for men and women. Uh, being bigger meant wealth. It meant that you could afford to eat. It meant that you didn't have to work. It meant that you weren't starving. So, I just I find it very interesting how you know if people were born in different time eras, like you know, let's say roles are reversed, I would be looked at as not attractive. And that's just something to really take to heart and to try to not let society define your self-esteem. And I know it's hard because I fall into a lot of these pitfalls when we get into how men are supposed to look. So like, I'm trying to practice what I preach, but I'm just trying to spread the good word of like, society has tried to influence self-esteem since the beginning of society and it's ebbed and flowed. So like, yeah, uh, keep that in mind and try to not let it influence your definition of your own beauty as much as it does. Um, so we all know Pythagorean. He's very famous for his Pythagorean theorem, which ironically, I remember two things from high school. It's what or high school math. Y equals M squared plus no, Y equals MX plus B. <laughs> So y equals mx plus b and a squared plus b squared equals c squared, which is the Pythagorean theorem. Uh, this guy, the Pythagoras of Samos, who created the golden ratio, um, this kind of brought an emphasis to the symmetry of the face when it came to beauty, um, including, which I found this very interesting, unibrows signified purity intent intelligence in women, and it was often extremely lusted over. In fact, if you didn't grow a uh, unibrow, they would paint one on with black powder. I find that so interesting because a unibrow nowadays is like, no. And like, I fall into this uh, beauty standard trap of my eyebrows are, I mean, they're, they're clean and they're like arched as much as like my genetics will allow them to be. So, but I can grow a mean unibrow. It's really gross. <laughs> like, and again, it's not gross. I, I, I need to stop saying that stuff because that's like for the perpetuating the negative parts of beauty. So I actually need to catch myself. It's not gross, um, but I don't prefer it on me. I'll just say that. Um, now we're going to go into the Renaissance era, which is the 14th to 17th century. And this is where art was at an all time high, as you all know, the, you know that's, that's known for the art. And um, this kind of started the focus on the pale skin. Um, which I, it's, it's so, like I said, I just want people to feel beautiful in their own skin. If that means you have pale skin, don't go into the cancer coffin and try to like bake yourself. If that means you have dark skin, don't try to bleach your skin and like make it look like something 
That's not like I just want everyone on all the spectrums to see the beauty that is their God given beauty. And yes, I'm spiritual. So I'm going to say God sometimes or, you know, great divine or whatever, just your given natural beauty. I really want people to embrace that. So as I just complained about my unibrow that I pluck all the time. But again, um, so the ideal woman of the Italian Renaissance era had a um, let's see here. She had pale skin, high forehead, and blonde hair with a long neck. Actually, women of this era would pluck their hairlines to get that high hairlined look, um, which I find like it's it's. So I also found something that was very interesting is like women have a much harder time when it comes to beauty standards. Like I I feel for y'all, um, ouch, but. Uh, also, the way their hair was worn, it signified different things. So, you know, if you were single, your hair was down. If your hair was tied up, that means you were taken. This is also where um, women's beauty started to really center around looking good for men and keeping men. And it carried throughout the years. It's still, it's it's kind of waning the other way now. But like this, this concept of looking good for men to keep the man or get the man really started in the uh, Renaissance era. And it started to spread throughout countries. Now we get into Victorian England, um, where the pale face was still desired because it signified that you never had to work in the sun. It was a symbol of extreme wealth and privilege. This also, this next fact just blew my mind. Women would go as far as poisoning themselves with arsenic or ammonia in their beauty routine to achieve this desired look. Also, the Victorian in Victorian England was known for their uh, corsets, which unlike today's corsets, they actually would go a couple inches past the woman's waist. Um, and this look extended through other countries. France and Italy are just a couple that took on this uh, beauty trend. And... Um, it was a common practice to start the corset wearing at a young age and in some instances to not stop wearing them even if one was pregnant. That is crazy to me. Um, so this this is this, the birth of the hourglass figure, which started in the Victorian England period, but it obviously migrated to uh, other places like the United States. And we're going to get into beauty standards for women in the United States uh, this is uh, this article speaks to the beauty standards of the 1960s through 2016. Um, Marilyn Monroe obviously comes to mind. She was the blonde bombshell, the sex symbol of beauty. Now, I grew up with um, Betty Page. Uh, my father was more of a Betty Page person instead of a Marilyn Monroe person. So that when I think of like feminine beauty, I think of the pinup girls. I think of like the busts that are coming out of like the corset. I think of black hair, um, obviously a little quote unquote hippie. Um, and just like a, 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 a she was, I mean, I guess she was kind of Marilyn, excuse me, Marilyn Monroe's body size, but that's, that, that, that's my cultural reference for beauty growing up. Um, when Marilyn Manson performed her very like famous, Happy birthday, Mr. President. I love that. That's so funny. It reminds me of Wayne's World. I think it's Wayne's World. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's Wayne's World. I just <laughs> I just got that image again. Anyway, uh, she was a size four to six. And at her biggest, she was seen as she was a size, or maybe seen as a size 12. And um 
so this obviously is not to shame Marilyn Monroe because again, I think that that's beautiful. Um, but this is also, um, this is kind of where things start to, this is where body dysmorphia kind of like took its roots and just, and started after this, um, after what's called the golden age of Hollywood, which was where women were expected to be, have this full hourglass figure. But for decades, uh, since the golden era, that's when this insanely thin, uh, expectation took hold. Um, which, you know, the anorexia thing started really taking off, which is so sad. And I, uh, I truly get saddened when I hear that stuff and about bulimia. And, you know, it's, it's a very serious thing. And I'm not here to make light of that. Um, so if you do experience something like that, I do encourage you if you were at a point where you would like to get help um, to do that, because Again, you are beautiful just the way you are, and don't let society tell you you should be starving yourself or making yourself throw up or you're like whoever's telling you that. Like, really, you're worth more than that. Um, so now, and this I also found super interesting. So in the 90s, uh, this says like while the opioid uh, epidemic was starting, that's when the fashion world capitalized on this like heroin chic look, the pale skin, the dark under eye circles and being thin was in. And this is where and granted Kate Moss uh, has since publicly stated that she regrets this comment and for good reason. She states nothing tastes as good as skinny looks. Now, I'm going to disagree with that because uh, pizza, cheesecake uh, are just a few of my favorite things. Um, pasta also. Um, and I always say I am a bear trapped in a twinks body. Like I eat. I love to eat. Food is so good. Um, so I don't agree with this statement at all. And I'm very glad that she has since come out and said that she has regretted making this statement because it's gross. Um, so next it goes on to describe how the exact moment where women in society started to turn their back on men's expectation of their actions and bodies is difficult. However, this person who wrote this article, who I will, I will link this. It's a great article, uh, credits, uh, this reclaiming of beauty for their, for women's self in the two thousands, um, with icons such as Beyonce, Jennifer Lopez, and Jennifer Aniston, who all have very different body types and um, and different kind of sexualities, um, but nonetheless, like they all kind of have the flat stomach, and it, it very much perpetuated this fit uh, look of being in style. Uh, now, in the in two thousand fifteen and two thousand sixteen, fat models and I don't, I, that word is like, it's so, for some people, it's a very loaded word. And I don't mean to say that in a bad way. In fact, I know a lot of individuals of a bigger stature, because that's generally the, 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 the term I use, uh, have taken back that word. And they, someone very once uh, told me it was crazy. He's like, fat is not a synonym for ugly. And yes, I am fat, but I'm beautiful. And I'm like, you go boy. And that like, that to me is so sexy. Like nothing is sexier to me 
than someone who just owns themselves. And I know it's a journey to get there. We are all on that journey. But like in that moment when he's like, I am fat and I am beautiful, like I had never been so turned on in my life. I was like, that's really fucking cool, dude. Anyway, so this is kind of the start of and these two women that come that are quoted in this article are Tess Holiday and Ashley Graham, who started getting signing signings or signed to model agencies. And there was a lot of backlash that came with that because they are bigger women. Now, how do I say this? The arguments that people say are, well, that's not a healthy woman. You know, that's, she's morbidly obese or she is killing herself slowly. Okay, well, the flip side is the same for your standard of beauty with skinny women and photoshopped women. And then these little girls are looking up to these these images that aren't even real nowadays, which that, that blows my mind. Um, that expectation of beauty is causing women and young girls to also be unhealthy. So it's it's the same, it's the same thing. So I do find the backlash of bigger women in modeling fat phobic because what you're complaining about is not the health of the woman. What you're complaining about is the stature of the woman. And that is the T because if you were so concerned about health, you would be talking to your daughters about anorexia and bulimia and how it's healthy to like eat. And, you know, it's important to not starve yourself to have the unreal expectation of of um of beauty so anyone who's going to come at me with this like oh bigger models are promoting an unhealthy standard of beauty so is your skinny model girl so when you want to talk about what you actually want to talk about which is you're kind of fat phobic let me know but i'm not going to take that argument because it's a load of honk so the next little portion of the article is non-western beauty standards which again i can't speak to in the sense of how it has influenced me because I am obviously I was born in the United States. I'm white passing. So this is all just from this article. And I do encourage you to check this article out because again, there are links in the article that talk about different uh, cultural beauty standards from the cultures who the beauty standard came from or affected. The first one that it talks about is the Chinese tradition of foot binding because it was a status of, it was a status symbol. Um, if they were married, they were more or less forced into binding their feet and trying to touch their heels and their toes together as best they could. Um, I also find it interesting how there's a lot of criticism about this, but uh, corseting? Come on now. So like, uh, also it was, a, in, it was common in Asian communities to desire double eyelids. Uh, blepharopasty surgery helps one achieve this look which can be done for aesthetic reasons, but also for medical reasons. Um, also, the pale skin was seen as a mark of prestige. And again, it clicks. you can click there after this little paragraph to hear an Asian woman discussing beauty standards. So again, encourage you to do that because learning is awesome. Um, in Africa, beauty standards for women vary depending on culture and tribe. Now, I'm sure a lot of people, when it comes to mind, they think of like the stretched necks, or the gauges, but there were other things such as face markings, lip plating, and even the hair came into play when it came to beauty standards and traditions. Now this is before uh, Europeans came in and inserted themselves on their uh, standards and culture onto 
the African-American culture, um, which, I mean, I find, I don't know, that's a different topic for a different episode. Not going to even address the, the effects of that act colonization on cultures in this episode. Cause it's, and again, I really can't speak to it because I look like the people who did it. So, uh, Anyway, not to get sidetracked here. Um, So their hair often meant a variety of things, such as age, marital status. Um, It differed from person from tribe to tribe. It also signified royalty and certain hairstyles um, signified loyalty or, you know, royalty, excuse me, royalty. Um, And because these styles took a while to complete, uh, some women would use this time to bond and socialize with others, which I Again, I've never had my hair done like that, but I, 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 from what I hear, it still takes a long time and it still can be seen as a bonding experience, which I find beautiful. And again, like I find, uh, I find African-American women, it, I, I feel like it's such, a, I mean, actually, let me tell you a story. So I did not know that because I'm very sheltered. I did not know that African-American women wore wigs um, until I was 20. 23 24 23 and i uh befriended this uh african-american nurse her name is coco i love her to death she just she taught me so much but i went to go over to her house one day and i was knocking on her door and she's like don't come in don't come in i got my civil rights hair on i'm like i was so confused i'm like okay so she comes out and she has you know her 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 wig on or i thought was her real hair i'm like what is your civil rights hair and she looks at me with this look and she's like are you serious and i'm like yeah what, what, what did you mean by that she's like we wear wigs and i'm like what and then she takes off her wig and she goes you really didn't know that most african-american women wear wigs and i'm like no i didn't so then that started the whole conversation of like why they wear wigs and the the pressure to have the Becky with the good hair. And I thought that was so sad that like, because I've always looked at people with hair other than mine, because I have the Becky with the good hair. It's like, I've got a lot of it, but it's fine. It, it It's straight. It's annoying. So I always saw people with different hair textures as beautiful. In fact, my younger brother, youngest brother, he has this curly wiry hair that I would literally kill so someone for and because he's in the army, he shaves it. So it's it's a sad day. Um, my middle brother, he is also has like very thick, coarser hair. And I was the one that ended up with this Becky with the good hair, which I don't want. So we all want what we can't have, right? Anyway, um, so when I learned that fact, I was so sad to hear that. And again, I have a couple of... Uh, Coco ended up ditching the wigs for her natural hair because there was, I learned this is where I learned about edges and how that plays into African-American culture. And there was another nurse that I worked with who she, I've never seen her in a wig, I don't think. And that to me before it just would have been like, Oh, that's really awesome. But after I learned the pressures that are put on the African-American woman to look like the white woman, I now see it as like a damn, that's bold. Like you, you, you fight those beauty standards or those Eurocentric uh, beauty ideals, as this next part of the article says. Um, because when the Europeans arrived, African culture started to be erased more often than not forcibly. Um, and this is when the Eurocentric beauty ideals started to uh, play into, come into focus. And this is where the whole 
if you're not white, you're not beautiful kind of started to seep into different cultures. It wasn't until the 1960s that there was a direct stance against the concept of Western beauty in relation to black or African-American people, excuse me. Um, And this is where the natural features of African-American women, such as the full lips, dark skin and curvy bodies were celebrated, which I am all for 100 percent. I actually like because I mean, I, I love that just like pictures of like, you know, oh, oh, oh. People of different skin colors, no matter what they are, like holding hands or whatever. And just, again, that juxtaposition of like those two different colors going together. It's so beautiful to me. I I love seeing that. Um, So it also goes on to say that um, a lot of, and this is where um, cultural appropriation kind of takes in. So it says that white people impose themselves somewhere where they had no place in terms of beauty um, and like taking that big, um, excuse me, it was it full lips, dark skin, curvy bodies. Um, so this website cites Kim Kardashian, um, having profited off common features and trends that are found in black culture. And there's a quote from, uh, a song that I really, really love by, um, I think it's the 1975. Uh, yeah, it's 1975. And the song is called love it. If we made it, I think. And there is a line where it says, uh, where it goes, um, actually, let me look it up because I'm terrible sometimes at, uh, also, by the way, these headphones, um, have made me understand why ASMR is a thing. Cause I, that, I, I love that. So, um, there's a lot of quotes from this song that, I mean, it's, it's a freaking amazing song, but this one in particular sell in melanin and then suffocate the black men start with misdemeanors and we'll soon we'll make a business out of them so i do find it kind of kind of odd how a culture so obsessed with being like tan yet so remember when i said that this was going to be a journey i just realized that you could only record for 30 minutes in your web browser so Uh, That last part was cut off, and where I cut off was I was talking about the lyrics from this song, which are sell in melanin and then suffocate the black man, start with misdemeanors, and soon we'll make a business out of them. And I was just going to, I was just touching on the topic of like cultural appropriation and how we demonize some things when the culture of origination do it, but yet we as a society benefit off of them or we, you know, emulate them in our own looks. Um, so yeah, I just, that was the point of that. And, um, as we got into the current day standards of beauty, uh, where as a society, we have gotten better at recognizing toxic beauty standards. Um, the ideal woman is changing and makeup is no longer used to use because there's pressure for, well, not as much pressure to look a certain way. It's being used as what one wants to look like and use for empowerment. And I being a man who wears makeup, like I don't wear makeup. Oh, our special guest is here. So I will be right back. And with the next, with the next segment. 
Welcome back to the Bold, Beautiful, and Bearded Podcast. I have my very special guest here. His name is Kevin. He's yeah, a yeah. good friend of mine. I've um, known each other for years. Whoa, yeah. Over a decade. <laughs> oh my, 20, it, probably. Wow. 15. It's, like it's, it's been a while. It's, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was a youngin. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, and he's very sexy himself, so I'm very happy to have Aww. someone that's sexy talk about beauty standards Aww. and... He can give the flip side of the coin on beauty standards because he's African American. So that'll be an interesting take on things, and I'm glad to have it. Some of you bitches need that take because all you can see is the other way. But that's true. We'll, we'll talk about that later. We will talk about that. <laughs> um, and I think it would first start off by talking about what beauty standards we buy into for ourselves and then for our the partners we seek or whatever. But like the first off ones like that I can think of hardcore are I work out like four days yes, a week. Yes. I want to have a like a built body. Yeah, yeah. Um, I pluck my eyebrows in a certain way. Uh-huh. I feel the need to have facial hair because I just feel Do that you feel more pressure. masculine with that. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, because I'm yeah. not always the most masculine. So I right. feel like that body type, that facial hair, offsets my feminine traits. So I, that's some of the ones that I buy into. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say, and it's really interesting how, uh, and, and I buy into that too. Uh, when, whenever I mess with my facial hair, I make sure I leave it. You know what I'm saying? It's like I may trim it up a little bit, I may uh, clean it up a little bit, but I never get rid of it all. Unless, you know, I'm, I'm like in a theater production or I'm in a video or something and the part calls for that. Then I'll, you know, be more apt to like just be okay with sh- shaving all this off and, pardon my expression, looking like baby pussy. Like that's why I always call it whenever I shave all my face off. I call it baby pussy. I think I've, I don't think I've ever seen you. Uh, with, oh, you probably haven't. I have you not. Probably haven't. Um, but but it does. It does for some reason. I think um, uh, subconsciously, I I do that because there is some sort of a devalue devaluation is it devaluation? devaluation yeah devaluation that i feel um in a sense if if i were to be regarded as feminine i guess right and you know what i'm saying that's just being totally transparent and not to say that i think that feminine things people or you know the act of feminine, just femininity itself is a weak thing you know what i mean but that's that's one of the things that i have had to kind of uh wrestle with you know what i'm saying uh during my development and uh being an adult now you know what i'm saying an adult in a place like minneapolis where you get every single type of person that you can think of um usually at some point is going to run through your circle you right. know what i'm saying um so yeah I, i've had this this tough little uh uh journey with with with, with the masculine versus feminine feminine thing and I just thought that it was really interesting that, you know what I'm saying, you you kind of mentioned that too, like the whole um, uh, growing it out in order to maintain that or to kind of keep that. And it's like, okay, even if you don't really feel that in your heart, you know, the reason why we do that is because, yeah, there's, the, there's still this devaluation that we give to, you know, the femininity part. You know, we want to make it clear that, okay, we're men. We're not women, you know what I'm saying? And 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 but why is that? Why why do we want to make that clear? Why why wouldn't we be okay with being looked at as women are looked at? Shit, there's some strong ass motherfuckers. They like are. They 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 do all the shit that we can't do. Like literally cannot do. What's Betty? Like, you you think know? Betty White says a quote like, "Why does everyone say like grow a set of balls because they're right. so like weak and frail? Like talk about like 
you should roll pussy because that thing can take a beating. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Betty Betty White said that. I find that so funny. But it's true. Like, no, it's true. It's true. Or you know what I'm saying? Or even I mean, the girl. I mean, some gays would say, "Grow yeah, anus, an extra anus." Because I mean, those. I mean, you think that those can't take a beating, but well, I'm here to tell you. Then they, I'm here to yes, yeah, yeah, they, they can, can, they, they can. can. Um, which and like the whole like femininity, femininity and masculine thing. I think a big part of my big drug addiction period when I was 22, because uh-huh. I was a feminine kid, which I couldn't help. And then I brought it up and uh-huh. I was actively like trying to hide and actively trying to, I mean, essentially like kill a part of me that was uh-huh. feminine. So I walked around more bro yep. I talked more bro I dressed more bro And that in turn, I know it attributed to my hardcore years of drug use Uh because when I stopped that and I started doing drag and started Uh embracing that, Uh I had less of a pull into drugs in terms of how deep it would take me because I was Uh accepting Uh that feminine part of me. The fact that I like makeup, I love fashion, I love performing. Uh So the more I accepted that, the less farther down each relapse took me because Uh obviously I didn't kick it, but like, so, so, so you, you weren't ever like, um, like really hardcore active during the feminine, like the times that you were kind of empowered in your femininity or no. Yeah, okay. If, if I were to relapse, it never, and I've never been taken that far down again. I've never been homeless again. Mm-hmm. I've never, mm-hmm. you know, so like, but the time that I, the time where like meth really kicked my ass mm-hmm. was because I think I was actively trying to get rid of a part of me that mm-hmm. is me. And when mm-hmm. you do that, mm-hmm. It's not good, you know, yeah, 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 at yeah. all. That's a uh, repression. You know? Yes, repression. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not good. Um, no, not at all. But it is kind of interesting how we buy into that, even though we don't believe it. Yeah, some of the other ones that, uh, like you said, the whole thing about going to the gym, like um, to what it's twenty twenty one now. I will say if you know, what I'm saying bitches, and you remember, like maybe ten years ago, you know what I'm saying, like. I was hardcore, mm-hmm. like into, you know, my trying to look cut as possible, trying to look as, you know, nice firm titties and, you know what I'm saying, just like I work out type shit, you know what I mean? Because, of course, you know, in our community, that's that's like the gold standard, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's like the perfect body. And, you know, the perfect skin complexion, of course, that being something other than fucking paper bag or something. And, you know what I'm saying? The perfect uh, everything else being that you got like a, a job making, you know, mm-hmm. six figures or perfect car. You know, a perfect car. You, you stay in the perfect place yep. um, in the perfect neighborhood, all that kind of shit like that. Um, but definitely the working out thing was something that was kind of hammered into my head like way, yeah, way when I was like first starting to realize who I was like, you know what I'm saying? When I, when I came out to my parents first, it was like six, when I was 16 and I knew then, you know what I'm saying? Cause I want to say at that time, you know what I'm saying? You had shit like, of course you always look to like entertainers and shit like of that kind of be the gauge of a lot of this shit. And that of course too is a, uh, uh, formulated and kind of like driven by Eurocentric standards as well. But, um, the, the having the flat stomach thing, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the Margie Mark and the fucking Calvin Klein things or, yes. or the, the Channing Tatum, you know what I'm saying? And step oh. up, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, uh, I, who was the, who was the motherfucker that I used to like, I, I used to look at Tay Diggs and I would, sometimes I would even be like mad that I was not 
dark. You know what I'm saying? Like darker than I am. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And which, which, you know, you would think like, oh, shouldn't it be the, wouldn't it be the opposite way? But I mean, I mean, I felt it both ways. But um, yeah, there were times that I was actually, you know, jealous because I, yeah, I wasn't as dark because the world, society goes through its, its phases in which they value, especially our beauty, you know what I'm saying, differently. So say one minute, you know what I'm saying, they're all into people from the islands or from Jamaica or, you know, stuff like Trinidad, all that kind of shit like that. They're into that. It's a thing. But then when that's over with, then they, then they switch over to Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. And then when that's over with, they switch over to Dominican. And then when that's over with, they switch back to the Jamaicans. You know what I'm saying? Um, but all of that, all, all of those cultures, even, they kind of represent this very, very rich and different um, look of the actual culture. You know what I'm saying? Like all, all three of those ethnicities or race, whatever you want to call it, you know, have people of all three shades that represent, you know what I'm saying, their communities. And it's like, you know, why is any of them, like, why, 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 why are we allowing society, broader society to make us like infight even, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That goes all the way back to like slavery time, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where they have the lighter skinned people in the house doing the house stuff, but they have all the dark skinned people out in the field picking the cotton. Um, and I think that through time, that same type of attitude, you know what I'm saying, is what, what goes into what we see now, like say in fashion and in popular culture, you know what I'm saying? That same type of mentality and the value of, you know, putting, yeah, all of this, 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 oh, it's, you're pretty, or, you know what I'm saying? Say biracial people are, are prettier than just people that are straight up black type shit. And right. it's like, what the fuck? Are you serious? <laughs> like, that's crazy. But, you know what I'm saying? All that shit is steeped in um, the slave trade and, 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 and white supremacy. And, 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 and I think that you really can't talk about beauty and standards without having that conversation as well about white supremacy. And 100%. how it totally, you know, runs you know, a lot of this shit. Yeah. Well, when, when a culture decides to insert themselves into mm-hmm. another culture and erase part of that culture, I mean, you have yeah. to talk about it. And like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I touched on in the previous segment about how African-American women, mm-hmm. there's a pressure to have this perfect, like, straight hair mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like, yep. which I find so sad. It's crazy. It, I it, mean, and, and the links that they, they make you go through in order to get it. Right. So say, you know, you, you, you got, you got, uh, for one, it costs maybe thousands of dollars to get a good weave put in your hair. You know what I'm saying? So just think about that. If, if say, if you got your weave switched out once a month, you know what I'm saying? That's like, say, $12,000 a year just on your hair. And that's just to look, you know, more Eurocentric or, you know, whatever, whatever the thing might be for that, that, that season, you know, just for it to look decent and to be in your shit and to look kind of like, okay, that could be theirs, but, you know, that type of shit. Um, and it's sad because, you know, when you look at two, you know, uh, like white hairdressers and, you know what I'm saying, the white community, like how much they charge y'all to do your fucking hair is oh. ridiculous. Like that shit's crazy. It was a hundred dollars to shit take my short hair from like this to like ashy blonde. Like it was a hundred. I can't imagine a woman. Bleach, 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 bleach a comb. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Some foil and shit. Those supplies did not cost no goddamn $100, you know what I'm saying? Nope. And trust me, you probably had to wait, even though you had a fucking appointment, and you had to deal with all the other shit, like these bitches kiki and cat cackling about whatever the fuck, blah, 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 and dealing with the pressure of looking around at all these other people and feeling judgment, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, 
you know, what's he doing in his hair? Or, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're constantly thinking about what do people think about my hair? Mm-hmm. What do people think about how I'm presenting myself in the world? And I think that's, that's, that's a part of the problem too, is just, we've, we've attached that shit so much to our self-worth. You know what I mean? It is. And especially with, I mean, obviously it's women too, but like there was something in, when I was researching the standards of beauty for men and women mm-hmm. that like hair is always in with men. Like you, like you have to have hair. Like, like having, having more of it, more okay. of it, or having it in general. So a man without it is that's usually down. Yeah, usually. Okay. I mean, obviously there is a bald is beautiful movement, which I love. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's some people who look great with bald heads. Ben Diesel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's he's one of them. Yeah, you know what I mean? But but I, I just I'm of the opinion everybody doesn't look good with a bald head. But right. at the end of the day, if I if I was like struggling with cancer or something like that, and I knew I had to get rid of my hair, then bitch, I'm just gonna have to get rid of my fucking hair. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it is what it is. You can say whatever you want to about my big ass head, but guess what? I beat that fucking cancer though. Or you know what I'm saying? Chemotherapy's kicking my ass, but I only got one more to go, bitch. Right. And I'm gonna make you know, I mean that type of shit. So and that just like even tread on the fact that like people and like I hope I get this across with this podcast of a hey, diversity is beautiful. We uh-huh. all are beautiful in our own way, but like you don't know what someone's going through. So yeah. like don't yeah. don't be hating on someone who's bald or whatever because yeah. they could be going through chemo. Right, right, right. They, right, right. right. And, and another thing too, like don't don't hate on people who like say for instance don't have the thousand dollars to right. spend on their fucking weave. Bitch, if you spend in a thousand dollars on your weave a month, like for real, uh, good luck to you. Congratulations, because obviously you got a job that's paying you quite well. You know what I'm saying? So good for you. Good for you. Um, but unfortunately the average person doesn't have that. Especially if they have kids. Yeah, especially if they have kids or responsibilities, or if they are dealing with something as uh fucking rancid and as every day as white supremacy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like um, there's a lot of sh- other places that your money's gonna end up going to before you even think about putting it there. You know what I mean? And that's that's why I I, I look at black women too, like they're so fucking strong and they're so fucking smart mm-hmm. because regardless they figure a way to make it work they figure a way to you know what i'm saying hey it might be a hack but bitch it looks just like that fucking shit that you yep. just paid fucking fifteen hundred dollars for you fucking cunt yep. you know what i mean like yep. or you know what i'm saying it, it may be something that cost them all of under a hundred dollars for but yeah it looks like a two thousand dollar you know what i'm saying fucking hairdo or a two thousand dollar braid job or something like that you know what i mean um and, and, and it shouts out to them for always, you know what I'm saying, sh- showing us even as black men and just men in general that, you know, you can kind of uh, change the narrative, you know, with that. And it doesn't, you know, fuck what they talking about. You know what I'm saying? Figure a way to make the shit work for you. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean you have to buy any of that shit. However, you know, the idea of weaves, and this is even, you know what I'm saying, a little deeper dive than what we were talking about before but you know yeah the just the whole idea of wanting to have a weave or something other than your natural the natural coarseness of your hair is like some shit that's rooted in fucking white supremacy you know what i'm saying like we didn't come over here like hey we want to have you know the george washington do or you know i, I want i want my hair to fly through the wind like them bitches no <laughs> you know what i'm saying but the value was put behind it you know what i mean and so now you got people doing stuff like perming their kids hair at three years old or four years well not 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 three or four that you fuck, fuck around and kill your kid but you know what i'm saying like way earlier than they should be you know what i'm saying putting all these chemicals and shit in their hair just because they don't want their kid to go to school and be teased yep because this eurocentric way of looking at us and our beauty has been forced upon them you know what i'm saying and then and, and then it, it causes them to have these fucked up 
images or you know what I'm saying ideas on what beauty is you know? and like uh, something on the youth like I can't imagine growing up with social media and Facebook. Oh, Can you get like let's just talk about that? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm so glad that oh, I, I missed it by this much. Yep, same. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we still had landlines. I'm so glad that fucking oh that, that I was here to see it all happen. You know what I'm saying? Because I was an adult when it was when it was starting to happen. You know what I'm saying? So it was like okay, cool. I, I saw it when I had a little more of a grasp on reality, you know right, what I'm saying, than, right. than the average teenager or young adult. But man, I could not imagine being 16, mm-mm, dealing with mm-mm. the internet we have now. Woof, my God. And like, so I've been editing photos since I was a little kid. Mm. And mostly it was like, at first it was putting on like lyrics or whatever. Mm. But then Facetune came along and I've gotten good at those kind of things. And like, what I can do with Facetune to my face, it... I bought into it at first and now I try very much to not fuck with like the wrinkles or like the smile lines, but like, I can't imagine like the ability to trim your nose, trim this, trim that, change this eye color, move your hairline. Yeah. Like change your eyebrows. Like how unhealthy it must be and how like hard it must be to be a youth in this time. Right. Growing up like that. Right. Well, and, and, and how, uh, deceptive, you know what I'm saying? Just, just think the catfish game was Catfishing has always been something. Everybody, audience, know this. Catfishing is not some shit that just came up in 2010 from Neve and what's his name. You know what I'm saying? On on TV. You know what I mean? It's it's not. It's not a show. It's not just an idea that came with. You know what I'm saying? Really heavy social media. Catfishing has always been a thing. Like if 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 you, well, at least for blind dates on. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? For blind dates and like those who, you know what I'm saying? If you met somebody in some way that which you did not actually see their face at first or something, catfishing has always been a fucking thing. And always there's always been a chance that you could be catfished and you've always had the chance to catfish someone else. Well, think of like the phone lines, like I can talk like this and make myself sound real masculine. Yeah. Every time you go meet the bitch, it'd be total opposite. Purses falling out their mouth. You know what I'm saying? Dicks falling out their ass. But, you know, and again, it's not to say, you know what I'm saying? Like, even now, as an older uh, person in this community, I've I've had to unlearn that shit and learn the value in femininity and and learn the value in feminine men. You know what I'm saying? And 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 and, and the bottom, you know, the plight of the bottom and shit. <laughs> like, I, I totally have had to, you know what I'm saying? Like, open myself to that shit and really, really understand what shit is from, you know, their side. Because they're dealing with everything that women deal with as far as misogyny goes. And and, and gays in general, we deal with the misogyny part of society mostly, you know what I'm saying, when Mm -hmm. it comes to like our resistance from the others. but yeah, it's it's just it's it's, it's sick. It's, it's 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 fucked up. And I, I mean, you know, now yeah, you you got all these different ways to make yourself not you. You know what I'm saying? Like to create the person you want to be. But at the end of the day, you can only go so far with it. Because yeah, you got to make a choice. Either I'm going to continue this game and I'm going to be this unseen thing in real life, just lives behind the computer, or am I going to actually? face this person face to face and have them realize that this person is totally not who they said they were. And then just take that chance of seeing if they actually will fucking like me for me or be totally fucking pissed off because you're not giving them that cookie cutter fucking image that you thought, you know what I'm saying? That you were presenting. Yeah. Yeah. And like real quick before we change gears, like Mm -hmm. also coming from a person who has edited themselves 
it may feel good at first to get that attention, uh, but that will eat at you. I can guarantee uh-huh. you, and I'm coming from a place where I did it, uh-huh. you are not presenting who you are. So you, on a fundamental subconscious level, know it's your fake. No, it's fake. And uh-huh. it, it's going to start eating at you. Uh-huh. But that being said, we're going to switch gears to things that we find beautiful that are not in beauty standards. But we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll be right back in a few minutes. This is the bold, the bearded, and the beautiful. Well, get it. You got it. You got it. Close, close. You got it. Okay, we are back. I missed Um, And now we're going to do my favorite part of this episode that I've been looking forward to is telling people what I myself and Kevin here, what we find beautiful that is not the norm. And my big one, obviously, this is like my platform kind of is like, I'm attracted to men of a bigger stature. Like, and I'm very, I don't like the term chubby chaser because like it offends some people and like, it's right, right. It is. And so like, and I just don't like branding people like that because some people I've met some men who have taken back the fat and the chubby word. And I've had men that tell me like fat is not a synonym for ugly. I'm fat and I'm beautiful. I love that. Not everyone's there in their journey. Right. Right. So I like to say that I prefer men of bigger stature Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that I I, I absolutely, yes, Mm. love it. Like. Yeah. Love it, and I just might get a little just a smidge graphic. I have trouble containing myself mm-hmm. when I am having intercourse with someone who is bigger because mm-hmm. I'm so turned on. Yeah. Another thing that I find super sexy is I kind of like a little bit of a hillbilly. I, mm-hmm. I, I do mm-hmm. like the, you like the white trash. Kind yes, of like the they could even be missing a tooth. I mean that's so sexy to me. Yes. Like I don't know why and. I mean, something that interests me is, is sexology. I love the psychology behind sex. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you why, yeah. but I do. Um, I don't know if older men in the gay community is a non-norm. That's probably a norm, isn't it? No, not no. I don't really? Think that's, I don't think that's a norm at all. Okay. Older men in the gay community, you know, age, ageism, right, is a. a it's, it, I mean, I think that ageism, ageism is more popping now than it's ever been. Yeah. Because and and we have like the proof of it just by going on our platforms like grinder and all that kind of shit like that you got all these people still in my age no one you know no one older hate older people. 25 hate older people and you know what I'm saying? Whatever, whatever. or you got all these older people that's like younger 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 young like bitch you're 45 what the fuck are you talking about you like them you know younger than 20 you're you, this shit is the reason why there's ageism in the first place like you're playing into that whole whole idea that there's a deep like a, a less of a value for people who have experience in this fucking uh culture yeah and that shit is like the biggest shot in the face bitch we're all gonna get older you stupid yep. cunt. hopefully yeah you, yeah hopefully 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 and, and see and that's the other thing too our culture makes us so blinded with everything else that's right now that we never think about the future. We don't mm-hmm. think about the fact that, okay, we are getting older as every fucking minute goes by. Yep. We are thinking about the fact that, yeah, with getting older, you're going to have people that are younger than you that are coming up. And everybody doesn't get the fact that, okay, for every motherfucker that says you as an old person are like less, you know, you ain't shit. You know, there's like two, three, four, five of them out there that will say the same thing. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be the other way around. So it's like, when, when do we as the culture start challenging that shit? Or, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, reclaiming that shit or whatever the fuck. But the age thing is one thing that we still haven't gotten like a thing uh, a grasp on. Because and, and a lot of times the people that are the most guilty of fucking peddling the shit are the people that are older. And that, that is like, I mean, now that you mentioned that, that is very true. And this is why 
I don't have my age on Grinder because mm-hmm. I am I'm 31, but I look a little younger, mm-hmm. and I have gotten a couple of the people. And this is not dishonest because I don't lie if they ask, but like mm-hmm. right, right. there, I've gotten a couple people who said Asian 25 only. And they'll start talking to me. We meet. We hang out. They think I'm awesome. And then it comes out that I'm 31. Yep. Thankfully, I've always always been well receptive. And mm-hmm. when they say that, I'm like, like I'm like, now that is why young youngin, you mm-hmm. need to not be so closed off to people right. by their numerical age. You never age. fucking know. You right. never fucking know. And it's not to say even that the older person is any less mature than other people his age, or that you know. You know, well, it could mean that the younger person is more mature than people their age. It could, but you know what I'm saying. Some people tend to just automatically think, okay, well, if an older person's fucking with a younger person, then it's like they they can't fuck with nobody in their own age bracket, or something, right? Or they just don't want them to figure out the real deal behind them. They just get somebody that they can just lie to, whatever, whatever. Um, and that's not always the case. I've seen that happen. Um, I actually, I know a few people right now that are in relationships just like that, and it's like, bitch, uh, yeah, girl. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, but but to me that for both of you, you shouldn't be there because you're both like stifling each other's growth. You're stifling yourself. You know what I'm saying? And you are like totally playing into this shit that's really detrimental to a lot of other people. And that does cut out a whole section of the community that these people can get something of value from. Well, I think a lot of the younger generation needs to get uh, get into a conversation with someone older. They because... need an older fucking Judy. Everybody Thank you. Does. Thank you. Everybody and like, I, I was drawn to older men initially because I was always mature for my age. Mm-hmm. So I got mm-hmm. along with them. But then I like, I started hearing stories about like, and this is one thing, mm. the AIDS epidemic and oh, the geez. stories that you will hear from older men mm. will shape how you see. And something that I heard from an old drag queen, mm. um, is, and this per is more pervasive than just the drag culture. Mm there used to be a sense of community um, that we had that we no longer have. And I think oh it's, yeah. I think it's because of one thing, smartphones eroding our empathy, oh yeah, but yeah, like, definitely. yeah, I, I, it almost saddened me to hear that there was a time when we as a culture and as, as, a, as a gay society had this sense of inclusivity because we were excluded and because we needed to bond together. And it's sad that like those ties are like going away and we have ages and we have all sorts of like different weird things. And so the thing that's so interesting about that is, you know, yeah, we did have that time in the gay community, but through looking at some historical stuff like Pose and other um, other documentaries, <coughs> I've come to learn that, you know, although we might have been together as a community on one hand, we still had isms mm-hmm. against trans people or against oh, people yes. that were drag performed. Like, literally, we treated uh, uh, people that you know, took their masculinity and said, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? And, and for whatever purpose, it could have been for entertainment or it could just have been like, that's them in their skin every day after 5 p.m. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. This is their life outside of work. You know what I'm saying? Blah, 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 blah. But we ostracized those people. We didn't support them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even though fucking Marsha P. Johnson and that Sylvia movie, what Rivera. What's that movie first, called? Uh, what's the Life and Times so, of Martha... That that's that's one of them too. That's the doc, the documentary. Yeah, the yeah. documentary, which I recommend. Uh-huh. If you have not seen that, yes. you need to see it because these two women, so I'm getting goosebumps, like so powerful, like they literally paved the way for. I'm getting oh, two, they paved two, the way. Two trans women of yep. color. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Now two trans. Now so think about that, you you guys. When when we think about our community now and the value we place on people of color, the value we place on trans people, the value we place on uh, women. All those things. Just so, just think 
about these, these, all these three things, you know, saying being in one person and at this time doing something as revolutionary, revolutionary. as starting a fucking movement going to jail in the it. in the middle of so many other movements happening, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And and all and all this shit couldn't happen without the civil rights movement. However, you know what I'm saying? This was black and brown people doing what they always fucking do, you know what I'm saying? And that's fucking making a way, you know what I mean? And they fucking fought. And guess what? After that, a couple more dudes uh, joined them. Then a couple other dudes joined them. Then a couple women joined them. And then this whole fucking the community joined them. And now, 30-something years, 40-something years later, you get to go to Pride every single June. You know what I'm saying? Because they chose to throw a brick at those fucking cops. That if, if we would have let shit go the same way it was going, if we would try to get together in June for a Pride or something, and half of you bitches come down this motherfucking street and your jock straps and shit, girl, you would have been beat up. Or thrown into the back of a fucking van, you know what I'm saying? This this freedom that you all take for granted, even it, you know, you owe it to people that you kind of diss right right about now. So just think about these things, and you know, well, and it blew my mind. I ran into the first gay gay youngin who didn't even know what Stonewall was. Oh, yeah. like take a like that absolutely blew my mind. Like like the what like you know it's, it's, see, but that's the thing. I think there's the, the the bridge that happens between generations got eroded you know what i mean and what do you think that came from i think th it came from the the whole the whole society normalizing and fucking glorifying youth and youth culture mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying as much as we say we we want to protect the kids it's all about protecting the kids this is and the other you don't think something's attractive unless it looks like a kid you don't oh. think something, you don't think something, you know what I'm saying, is worth your sexual, uh, you know, intimacy or whatever, unless it looks like a kid. You don't think something is worth your attention or time or their opinion even matters unless they look like a kid or somebody that's younger than you. You see it on Grindr all the fucking time. Like, for real. Like, so, so mm, we've been, we've been conditioned into, you know, putting all this shit behind the thing that looks more youthful, more uh, uh, new, shiny, you know what I'm saying? Oh, the new shiny. Not the, oh. not, the, not the used car, even though the used car is a better car, you know what I'm saying? Hey, it's got real metal. It's not plastic. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, but you'd, rather, you'd much rather have a plastic thing that you don't even yourself know how to really motherfucking handle. Next thing you know, you have a crash, you're dead because you chose to go in something that, yes, is equipped with all these fucking airbags, but the bitch don't know how to keep you fucking from fucking imploding. The metal kept you from fucking imploding, bitch. I've always had a metal car because I like I, <laughs> I, I like I like them and yeah. Even a little bit on that, like you don't have a bank loan, you yeah. don't have to have like that crazy insurance. You yeah. don't like it's there's so and many there's things. value in it. There's there value there, there in is. it. If somebody took care of what has aged over over, over a while, and this is the same for yourself, this is the mm -hmm. same for your house, your whatever. You know what I'm saying? Your clothes, even. I got shit that I still rock from high school. Same, same. You know what I'm saying? Same, like same. seriously, and and uh, I I don't know how I do it, but 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 you know what I'm saying? I got shit that I rock from high school because of how I chose to take care of it. Because you valued it. Because I value it. Right, right, right. Let's um. So some of the things that I kind of look into. Oh yeah. <laughs> just to put a period on it. Yeah. Go get yeah. back to the actual um braces. And fucking glasses. That is so funny. Like people like look at me like I'm so weird when I say that, but like I swear to God, if a mother, especially like dark friend, like dark friend, oh, oh, glasses, glasses and braces. I don't know whether I guess you could say the nerd look. 
you know, if that makes any sense. But I but I but I've seen a lot of unconventional nerdy looks for people that wear glasses. So it's not even necessarily a nerd thing. It's just glasses. And what's so funny uh, is I stopped wearing mine because I you were self-conscious about it. Yep, yep. I mean, like, and like and you know, I used to wear them all the time. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I realized I started it started taking off for pictures. Mm -hmm. And then pretty soon I just stopped wearing them. So like it's it's good to hear that like that is valued. And I've heard that a couple times. Mm -hmm. And like it, it's interesting because yeah, I stopped wearing them. Oh no, no, keep those glasses on. If you're out there in the audience and you wear glasses. Fuck all that shit they call you coca-cola pop bottles whatever the fuck whatever the names are for fucking uh you know thick thick glasses it's okay somebody loves you baby yeah somebody loves you yeah uh, same with the braces like, yeah same that's... thing with the braces yeah a lot a lot of people have some a really tough time you know dealing with that uh part in their journey to self-beautification yep. or whatever you know what i'm saying is like yeah what people the the teasing that especially kids do when it comes to yeah something like having to have something in your mouth like all the time retainer. a retainer even you yep. know what i'm saying um and he, but even the retainer since it's, it's it's movable it's like true you can take it out you know what i'm saying they they're still kind of in a better place on the you know totem pole versus you know people with braces sometimes i mean the metal mouth thing metal mouth mm -M, double m you know what i'm saying metal mouth metal mouth like that was like the classic diss you know what i'm saying for people that wore braces but it's like dude y'all do realize that that motherfucker's teeth is gonna look way better yeah. than all of y'all's motherfucking teeth when the bitches come on. Y'all do know that, right? Like that bitch is gonna be pulling all the motherfucking You know what I'm saying? Like this. Yeah, well, that's something that I <laughs> kind of realized in terms that. of just like beauty is a journey. And yeah, yeah. I kind of feel sorry for those who peaked in high school because in high school, right. I grew up, I was so awkward and I was so lanky and I was gothic. And like, I, as I was paying my bills with money from my naked body, and mm -hmm. as I'm going to pay for my next tattoo with money from my look, if you would have went back and told me, boy, you are going to grow up and live off of how you look, I would have been like, you're a liar. So yeah. like, it is very interesting. And for all the, the youngins out there listening, if I have any youngins in the audience, Watch how who you make fun of because they could yeah. become your boss. Yeah, they could become someone that you find so beautiful you want to end up like trying to yeah. date. And yeah. if you're an asshole to them, yeah. it ain't gonna be cute. Yeah. Well, and, and if they and if they yeah if they had any sense, they would be able to smell the asshole coming regardless if right. you actually you know figure this out or not. But um, yeah, watch who you ostracize. Watch who you tease. Watch who you talk about today because they can't turn around. And be the motherfucking um uh, what's that motherfucker's name taylor lautner or whatever oh, or, yeah you know what i'm saying or the next you know motherfucking uh goddamn who's that the big dude uh fucking chris pratt you know what i'm saying oh. you know what i mean like and, and, and whatever you know what i'm saying um you the journey i look I, I i i have in my journey i, I you know I, I had this thing because i was you know chunky when i was younger so i didn't of course i wanted the opposite you know what right. i'm saying 100. But now as an adult, and even when I was in my like prime, like boom, 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 like the best body in the world type fucking shit, I, I started to find the, like I started to really see the attractiveness in thicker people. Like, you know, big asses became a thing for me. Like Ooh. I never, I, I never even, you know what I'm saying? Like I'll, I'll say this, Minnesota has been the first for a lot of things <laughs> for me. And you know, I never, dated nor really had sex with white people, you know what I'm saying, until I moved up here. I'll just, you know, be honest. Was that out of necessity or was that because you found an interest? No, well, a combination of both. Okay. I think I think I think the bigger the bigger part of it was that 
yeah, my city was segregated. So right. it just wasn't happening. Right. And you know what I'm saying? When you did make friends that were white or something like that, they were from the other side of town. Yep. Y'all saw each other once every blue moon. It was usually around sports or theater or something like that. And that was it. You know what I'm saying? Like you might bump into them on the street or something at some point or at the mall, shit like that. But you really, y'all hanging out and getting to know each other culturally and shit, that was not encouraged in Ohio. That just wasn't hmm. a thing. Yeah. Now it was more so towards the South and Southern Ohio. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that a lot of people of color in the interior, they would do shit like interracially go because that would upset their parents or that would uh, upset, yep. you know what I'm saying? The people that, you know, were saying, oh, you're too young to blah, 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 blah. Then, okay, well, I'm, I'm a really show, you know, I'm, I, really, I got your ass, you know what I'm saying? So they'll go and get knocked up by a black dude, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, like I noticed that more so than anything else, like in, in, in my state, you know what I'm saying, growing up. Um, but coming up here, because see, Minnesota, the thing that you guys got that a lot of places don't have, but one, you have such a diverse population. I mean, y'all got so many fucking cultures that are represented in this fucking city. I thought we had different ones represented in Cleveland. No, 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 no. It's just, it, we, we were hitting on like the, the tip of the iceberg. You, here in Minnesota, like, and, and maybe it's the refugee dollars. I don't know. Whatever the fuck it is, it's, it's the politicians bringing people here because they know they get more money for, you know what I'm saying, having, you know what I'm saying, people here. But they're here and uh, the people you know like you go into elementary school it's common to see a somali person in class with a white person in class with an african-american person who's in class with a Hmong person who's in class with a thai person who's in class with like a fucking ukrainian person you know what i mean and bolivian fucking cuban and fucking you know puerto rican and mexican you know what i'm saying like all in one class you know what i'm saying or all in one school and you you just didn't have that type of like diversity in in Ohio. It's black white, you know what I'm saying, or Puerto, you know black Puerto Rican, black Dominican, black white, white Slavic, white. You know what I'm saying, Ukrainian, or you know what I'm saying. That's they would separate themselves in, in in those respects. But at the end of the day, white people, white people, black people, people of color were black. You know what I'm saying. That's kind of how it was looked at, and that's why too even the the relationship between Latinos and blacks in Ohio is a way different one. Than what it is up here, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah, I mean, it's it to me, it's more, you know what I mean? It's more unified. It's it's more. You get more Latinos who are proud to talk about their Afro roots, you know what I'm saying, or their Af, you know what I'm saying, how how the Afro, their Afro Caribbean versus, you know what I'm saying, um, just Latino or something, or Afro Latino versus just Latino, because you know they have some pride in what makes them, you know what I'm saying? Um, some places. The Europeans, you know, the colonizers' influence was way heavier than it was in others. You know what I'm saying? Like Cuba's one of those places. Like colonizers kind of fuck some shit up down there because you got so many, you know what I'm saying, Cubans that do, you know, love their white Cuban side, but not necessarily their Cuban side. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I myself struggled with that little bit of identity because while I look white, I am mm. not proud of the actions that people who look like me have taken. Yeah. And then on the flip side, the part of my lineage that gave me my color mm -hmm. was my father, mm -hmm. whom of which I can't stand. So right. like there was yeah, a yeah, it, like there was a lot of self hate because I look like the people I don't want to look you, like. Right. But the little tiny bit that gives me my out of white card right. is given to me by the man I can't stand. Yep, yep, so yep, yep. that is a whole other topic. And but then, like yeah, and I was gonna say and, and that it wasn't uh, yeah it was up to him because he's your father and he stuck his dick in your mouth. But but it, it wasn't up it wasn't up to him 
for that to happen. You know right. what I'm saying? Um, you were going to have that split regardless if it was if it was with him if you were born at that time if you were born five years later if you were born 10 years before whatever it was gonna you know what i'm saying you were gonna come out here in whatever soul you were meant to come out here in. you know what i'm saying so that part you can't give it to your parents because they don't even know right you know what i mean um, i'm taking that back sentence like i'm yeah. very i'm very like i've looked into my mexican heritage i love my mexican heritage mm-hmm. i've embraced my mexican heritage because you're right like he did not say okay i'm going to give this this baby my mexican mm-hmm. but not this one mm-hmm. so like totally 100. i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead no. Ooh, this is why it's on my mind and you know what i'm saying i'm not i'm not saying that this was his motivation even but i I've, I've noticed this trend in which some people even do that in order to lighten oh he their, did their, their fucking, yeah deadlines okay so he you know, he did he he, he, he openly he openly said it and this and then like this is the thing that he said I chose your mother, and I don't know if he's joking or whatever, but he's like, so I could have the white spigot fence that the Americans were talking about. The white spigot Right, right. So he very much, like, growing up, he said that, like, yeah. he was trying to, quote, unquote, whitewash his jeans. His jeans, yeah. Like, it, and it's that, sad. And that's, so, that's so sad. Man. That's so sad. But, but, but believe it or not, all, all communities of color, man. I swear it's so weird. Like, maybe not so much the indigenous ones, like, say, you know, people who are African-born or people, you know, that are native or whatever, but, like, a lot of fucking cultures of color, you know what I'm saying, have that same, like, well, those descendants, you know what I'm saying, have that same mentality. Because they because they kind of they feel, you know, they don't want life to be any worse That's for exactly them. exactly what he said. Than it, you know what I'm saying, than, than it was for them. I mean, they, they don't want their life to be any worse than it was, you know what I'm saying, for them. And so they, yeah, they want something better for you. And, and, and it's like, I, I, that's, that's so the thought, yeah, that's a nice thought. That's noble and shit, whatever. But admitting that is like, yeah, you're and now telling you're, it to your kid. And then telling your kid is like, yeah, now for one, you're saying, yeah, I devalue, you know what I'm saying, this side of me. And you should devalue that side of you too. And it doesn't always because we are not in charge of our genetics, and mm-hmm. we shouldn't be. Another topic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh shit. Oh right. But like, it worked for two out of the three children. So my middle brother looks Mexican. He has mm-hmm. the dark skin, the dark eyes, the dark hair. All that and Mexican he, ass yep, fucking. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because we grew up in a town of three hundred people. So like, I grew up witnessing and experiencing. We're way off topic. We're gonna bring it back. I swear. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> like, um, I grew up experiencing witnessing white privilege. And my brother was the victim. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and he very much feels differently about his heritage, which I understand. People would go up to him and just talk Spanish to him. Mm-hmm. They And he took German in high school just to distance himself. Yeah, he took German specifically to distance Ugh. himself from our culture. Mm-hmm. So while that is a noble idea, it doesn't play out the way it always mm-hmm. does. Because when they see you, you still are in IGGA. I mean, that's what I always so, you know I mean in IGGR. So you know they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna talk to you and they're gonna regard you and they're gonna treat you however the fuck they see you. Exactly. Regardless of what language you know or or whatnot, it's just they still are gonna treat you. Because I mean, I've even seen I've seen black people who will go and learn Japanese because they want the Asians to respect them when they go into the motherfucking you know <laughs> fucking nail salon or something. You know what I mean? It's like what what the fuck? So now you can hear what they're saying when they're talking about you, but what else is that giving you? Like what other value are you getting out of that? And you know what I'm saying? What now you know what they're saying, and, but. Okay, they still don't respect you because they still stand it. Bitch. Right, right. Like, like come like on, that shock value it goes away. But yeah, yeah. But it, it, there's there's a few things like like stuff like that. I like. Um, sometimes I like, I like big feet. Really, and it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with. It has nothing to do with the size of a dick or nothing like that because 
on most days I'm not a size queen. But um but I don't know, big feet. There was this dude in my fucking <laughs> I went to elementary school with from like second through sixth. His name was mm, burp, burp. <laughs> and um he was like the tallest guy in the in the class. He had the biggest head, he had the biggest feet, the biggest hands. He was like Mr. Basketball, but he just had the biggest feet. And me and him are like we were enemies like we were enemies all that's through funny. school and usually the motherfucker that you are like arch enemies with that's the motherfucker that really you should be trying to marry like you know what i'm saying because y'all love each other you know what i'm saying you just don't know how to fucking express it at that age and um yeah he got me into that just because yeah i would always we'd be changing for gym oh my god i would just look i would just stare at his feet that's funny because I have a slight foot fetish too. Like, yeah. I, I, no, I will not sniff your socks. I will not. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't have foot fetish in that sense. Right, either. but I do in the sense of like if they have cute feet and they like, like nothing is sexier to me when like let's say you're at a dinner and mm-hmm. you're at a parent's dinner and they like rub their foot mm-hmm. on your shin. Mm-hmm. Boom! Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Like or or when you know you take off your shoes, some of you are at the house with like like now even like. <laughs> I'm barefoot. Oh my god! You know what I'm saying? And, and, it's, and that's, that's the thing. Like whatever, whatever I come over here, I have that fucking, you know what I'm saying? That little struggle because it's like he's always walking around barefoot. Oh, you better stop doing that shit. Um, There's something intimate about seeing someone's feet. It's it's so intimate. It is. But me, I always keep my. You, no, I, I, I don't think I can ever. I don't think. I mean, yeah, I don't probably, think I can probably ever probably never saw my feet. No. Yeah. And and and, and, and I mean and and they have their good days now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, even when I have them like presentable. I'll still keep them up. No, I'm uh, I'm self conscious about that. I just always been because I mean I have the t- I have different feet than everyone else's because I walked for more of my life than most right. people did. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, there's that. So you know, there's a lot of other little and I have a thing with fingers, 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 mm. fingers. You if <clears throat> if your fingers look a certain way or don't look a certain like, yeah, your fingers can be just as much a part of what turns me on about you as, you know, your ass or your face or your, you know what I'm saying, whatever other physical yep. thing, you know. Yeah, even though it's stereotypical, mine are eyes, mm-hmm. eyes for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I like big eyes. Big eyes, yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. big eyes. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah, this, and I can't describe what it is in someone's eyes, but I just, it's something about some people's eyes where I'm just like mesmerized mm-hmm. or when there is this man who I still talk to each day, so I won't call him out. Mm-hmm. But when he talks to you, he just looks at you and makes you feel like you're the only person in the fucking world. I love that because eye contact like not a thing mm-hmm. really anymore. Mm-hmm. But so that's just some mm-hmm. things that we find, you know, and you know what? Like, like I said, I'm so glad this is the first episode and I'm so glad to have uh, you on as a guest because I just want people and this is what I want with my Internet presence. I want to make people accept themselves, mm-hmm. wherever body, whatever mm-hmm. skin, anything. Because mm-hmm. I want people to know that they're beautiful, yeah, and yeah. you know they are. And hey, and if you guys, uh, if any of you people even have other things that turn you on that we didn't mention, yeah, why don't you, you know, send us some feedback? Uh, leave it in the comments, or, I would love or to email us. That. Yeah, email us at. Uh, I got. I think it's Vaughn's Ventures six twenty eight at Gmail. Like I really, I truly, honestly, like some comment. I love hearing the little like things that aren't necessarily like, oh, that's cool. And you never know who's going to read those comments and be like, oh, wow, someone, something that like this, when I wrote my, when I did my intro, I had two or three people comment on my voice. And that's something growing up I hated. Mm. So you never know whose day you're going to affect Mm -hmm. by just saying this thing turns me on. I find this sexy. And they could read that and be like, damn. Or just being who you are. Right. Because that can be 
you know, just enough for somebody. And, and that usually is. It usually is. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to close out our very first episode. So thank you yes, for yes. I, doing I, that. I love it. I love it. Um, if you guys are interested in what I think, yeah, where can they I find feel, you? You can find me on Twitter, K-A-O-Z-612. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Kevin Chaos. That's K-V-I-N. Second name, K-A-O-Z. Um, or you can go to kevinchaos.com. That's kevinchaos, all one word, dot com. And if any of you are into rap music, do check out his stuff. Yeah, um, uh, yeah on yes. kevinchaos.bandcamp.com. That's the place in which I get the proceeds. If you go to Spotify and all that kind of shit like that, that's cool and all, but the artist doesn't get paid from that. So if you really want to support your artist, go to their band camp and buy their stuff or listen to their stuff there. And I will say, it was interesting. He's released something uh, recently, and... We have conversations all the time, and it was really cool to hear the things he talked about put into music. And you're always scribbling on that legal pad. That's so shallow, though. <laughs> but, but, I, mean, I, I, I liked it. I'm like, okay, yeah. it's cool. So, like, yeah, go check him out. Um, yeah. Thank you for uh, being my very first guest. Thank yes. you for my first episode. And, and I'll be back. I'll yo, be yeah. Back. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll, I'll be back. Uh -huh. For sure, 100%. So, yes, I look forward to having another conversation with y'all. Have a good day. Peace. Hello, I am back, and I am here to talk about beauty standards for men and how they have changed throughout time. So let's go back in time to the uh, Neolithic era, which is 12,000 BC to 8,000 BC. Now, in this time, we were switching from hunting and gathering to agriculture, and uh, it was said that um, men, where does it say here? Um, agriculture allowed those with power over the land to have huge feasts and gain weight. So men of a bigger stature were looked up upon. Uh, the heavy look was kind of in. Um, and again, I'm going to link the um, the two articles that I got this from in the description so you can feel free to go take a look. Uh, the next era that we uh, find ourselves in is ancient Greece in 800 BC to 146 BC. Um, this is where the image of the ideal man kind of started to come in in terms of muscular and lean. Uh, the big guy kind of faded out and um, the unrealistic beauty standard for men started to take hold here. Um, it's said that the Apollo's belt was something that was looked up upon, sometimes also called the Adonis belt. These are what I call your cum gutters, your, your V-line, um, and the V-lines in the ancient Grecian statues were not realistic. V-lines are realistic sometimes, but and I'm, I'm very thankful for my cum gutters. But, and even that, that has stayed a standard of male beauty throughout time. Uh, and then we jump into the Middle Ages, which is 800 to 1000 AD. Now, there isn't a lot that is... Um, looked at in terms of like in pictures um, because a lot of the uh, art was men and women being covered because religion played a very big influence in this time era. Uh, though they did, there was a scientist or anthropologist who did make note of the skeletal heights um, and how the, uh, let's find this quote, the decline of about two and a half inches substantially exceeds any height fluctuations seen during the various industrial revolutions of the 19th century. Now, why height is so important is because height often depicted health. Taller meant healthier. Um, so one would beg to ask, well, why did people shrink? Um, 
or why do people grow taller? Uh, and it said here that uh, the there's a couple theories. One being the warmer climate, so crops were more likely to be plentiful, meant more food equals healthier men. Also, the living situations were still relatively remote, so diseases had less of a chance to spread quickly because um, as cities came to be, climates slightly cooled and illness and potential lack of food led to the decline in health and size. Um, so the perfect man's uh, body in that sense, like I said, it was kind of hard to gauge by art like we usually do because, again, religion really like played a huge role in the art. So a lot of men were covered up. Um, and now we find ourselves in the Renaissance time, which is 1450 to 1600s. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci's very famous drawing of Virtuvian, Virtuvian, Virtuvian man um, is the picture with the man with the arms and the legs out. Uh, it's got two sets of arms, two sets of legs. And that is where proportions came into the beauty standard for men. Uh, though the circle and the square surrounding the man in the drawing actually are not just for decoration, they held deep meaning. The circle um, in the drawing is depicting a connection with the divine and the cosmic. And the square represented the human element of things, so your ability to bring things down to earth and make sense of them. So in this era, the... Um, Ideal man not only looked like this drawing, but also had a connection with the heaven and the earth, which I found really cool being a spiritual individual myself. Um, now, this next one I personally think is the most interesting uh, time era for men's beauty. It's called the macaronis in the 1700s. Now, the macaronis was a term given to British men who went abroad and fell in love with Italian food macaroni, which I don't blame them. I love pasta. Now, in Italy, this term was a diss, and it was meant to re uh, uh, reference they were blockheaded or foolish. But in Britain, this term meant and depicted a man fond of pompous and effeminate dressing, tight clothing, thin bodies. They could be seen maybe as the first hipsters. Um, but by 1775, the look uh, became the huge wigs and the made-up faces and crazy accessories that we know of today. So this is kind of where femininity started to take hold in men's culture. However, um, it soon fell out of fashion, and then the masculinity started to take hold in men's beauty. Um, fun fact alert, um, Yankee Doodle was mocking the way that Americans dressed, throwing shade at Washington for thinking that putting a feather in his hair was elegant enough to be macaroni. So put a put a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. So they were making fun of the fact that we thought American early Americans thought that slapping a feather on there and calling it a day was classy. So I found that extraordinarily interesting. The next era is called the Gilded Age and this is the late 1800s to the early 1900s. This is when big was beautiful and one of the hashtags I love is more body more beauty. Like I that's one of my favorite hashtags that I will promote until I die. Um, now, in this era, the man, the bed, dad bod took hold, as we call it in today's society. They actually had um, fat men's clubs where you had to be over 200 pounds to join. And there were a lot of these clubs. And a quote from the British Globe um, via the NPR 
uh, wrote of one meeting in the 1904 saying the village is full of bulbous and overhanging abdomens and double chins tonight for the New England Fat Men's Club is in session at the Hales Tavern. The natives, who are mostly bony and angular, have stared with envy at the portly forms of the Rubic Rubicuned faces, which have arrived on every train. Now, really, really, I want people who are out listening who aren't skinny to like hear that there was a point in time in our culture where your bodies were looked at as beautiful and envied. And while that might not be the case today, you know, just know that that was the case and that. I mean, there are people like me who find it beautiful still to this day. So whatever you have to do that is healthy to make yourself feel comfortable in your skin. But if you're comfortable in your skin and you're, you know, you happen to be a bigger person, roll with it. Because, again, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm here to tell you that you are beautiful. We now find ourselves in the 1920s, which is where Hollywood films started to, to become immensely popular. And they pretty much single-handedly shaped the ideal form of beauty and uh, beauty for men and women. Um, this is where women started to feel the pressure to stay thin, um, though the same did happen to men. Uh, the whole 20 pounds heavier on film, that thing, uh, that's why directors preferred actors with a leaner uh, leaner frame. Um, it uh, so the the fat men's club after 15 years the fat men's clubs went away and now the slimming dashing figure was all the rage. Now we reach ourselves in the 1930s to 1940s, um, mostly defined by a man named Charles Atlas. So this man um, is he was the first fitness guru and he worked incredibly hard for his physique. And I do want people out there who let's say you do work out. I'm not diminishing the hard work that you put into your bodies, but don't diminish other people's bodies also. That's just kind of like my little tidbit. Um, so uh, the Smithsonian Magazine details Atlas once as a 97 pound guy who got tired of being bullied all the time. So he began to work out and uh, came up with the term dynamic tension, um, which is a form of mostly isometric exercises. And uh, he became the icon of strong. Um, during the hard times, the 1930s and 1940s, people were inspired by Atlas's story, um, which uh, a little quote here, uh, Harvey Green, the author of Fit for America, Fitness, for Health, Fitness, Sport and American Society, 1830 to 1940, told the Smithsonian that Atlas's solution to the depression of World War II was to be bigger than everybody else then nobody would mess with you. The idea that physical size could give you confidence was a powerful message. And that's what really started the first real fitness movement and began to trend towards men wanting to build their physiques. I found it interesting that it's not just films, but um, things that are going on during society, i.e. the depression of World War II, influenced how men wanted to look. Um, I find that, I just really found that interesting. Um, then we get into the executive look, which was the 1950s to the early 1960s. Um, now, because of the war and the depression were over, men were slightly less concerned with looking strong, but they still wanted to look big. And that's kind of something that is a continuation throughout men's beauty standards is big, whatever that may be. In this era, it was the broad shoulders that you would see from the loose suits from the gangsters and overcoats that made them look boxy. Um, 
that was very much came from this era. The biggest asset that you could have was broad shoulders. So there wasn't really, there was some emphasis on a trim waist, but not as much. Um, the uh, Pyramid Climbers by Vance Parker, a book from 1962, all about success in the corporate world, describes what the ideal executive look should look like. The fashion show, the fashion now is for big men, for big men. The old days in some companies, the tallest executives was five foot five. But now fashion is for big men, even though there are plenty of small men doing a terrific job. Um, and he often told of instances where he asked to submit only candidates who were over six feet tall because they commanded a certain presence. And I mean, I will attest to that. I will get intimidated asking a man out who is six foot tall and, you know, broader. It, it just there's something about the presence that is very commanding. Um, so basically, in the 50s, if you were shorter, you had to work harder, um, which I would have had to work harder because I mean, I'm average. I'm like 5'10", but whatever. Uh, 1960s is the decade where the suave stylish became uh, fashionable. Think of your stereotypical like G2 uh, model or GQ model, uh, let's say. Uh, this is where the, the, the style of the suit slimmed up. And there was a button-up style. Uh, that's very much um, what the rockers and the younger men, they went more for bohemian routes. So this is really where fashion for men became more of options. Um, and the uh, perfect male body of this time, think Sean Connery in the first 007 movie. Uh, lots of chest hair, muscle definition. That very much was the standard. Uh, there still really was no um, importance of the cut biceps and the six-pack, though, though that is coming pretty quickly. Uh, late 1960s to the early 17 or 1970s, uh, the androgyny was in, which is very much like um, this is the first time since the macaroni age where a less ruggedly masculine look came into being the perfect uh, style for men. Um, a thin, lanky frame became popular for those who bought into this look, um, which I found really interesting because that, that was my body before I started working out. And though the unisex clothes did become popular, they didn't really affect gender roles or decrease the importance of having that perfect body. And it was that juxtaposition, again, of the contrast between the clothes and the wearer of the clothes. So that masculine body with the feminine clothes that very much... Um, was why it was popular. Uh, the men who did not buy into this gender bending idea, they started sporting the mustaches and the widely embraced trend of bell bottoms at this point. Um, they were tighter fitting clothes overall uh, and a reasonably toned physique was in fashion, though still no need for six packs. Um, though that changes with the 1980s where we find Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is where the really the ideal body that we know it today began to take hold and the masculine ideals really started to take hold. Um, there, the other side of the spectrum, you did have the glam rock obviously with like the big hair and the crazy, the crazy dressing and the crazy like clothes um, to contrast uh, the masculine ideals that were prevalent with the Sylvester Stallone type. Um, which I really, really like I grew up with the 80s 
being like kind of like force fed to me. I loved it, but like, so that's kind of what I think of the eighties. I don't necessarily think of Sylvester Stallone. I think of like the, you know, like uh, guns and roses and that kind of vibe. And now we have ventured into the 1990s to today where men do, there is a, and I, I feel this pressure. I buy into this pressure. Um, there is this expectation, the older you get to look more masculine, because I was fine with my skinny body when I was younger. But when I became older, it was very much like I felt when I looked in the mirror that I felt I looked sickly. And, you know, that's that's not the case, but that's the ideal. That's the beauty standard that I, you know, I struggle with. Um and you can really see the change in the ideal man if you were to compare Christopher Reeves in the 1987 uh, Superman film to uh, Henry Cavill, who is he played him in 2013-2016. They are crazy different. It is kind of insane how different they are. Um, and uh, so the Telegraph um, posts it. Uh, that these action the action figures there you go um sorry my notes were a little sloppy um action figures are giving boys body image issues much like models are giving girl uh, body image issues because the ideal man is ripped with six pack and you know those cum gutter lines that are expected but not always attainable or they're harder to attain due to genetics um the one thing that never goes out of style for men is hair. And that very much is, it's it's true. Um, though there is the bald is beautiful movement, which I'm all here for, like I uh, said in my previous segment. Um, hair, and this goes for women too, though it's changed from period to period, but hair resembles strength kind of like i think his name is samson in the bible um where his strength comes from his hair that very much is the uh the the prevalent idea throughout history with men and um you know gray hair is something that is a is a is a topic um i find it sexy when a man has salt and pepper hair and i dated somebody um who was younger than me, who had more gray than I do. And he would dye it. And, you know, I would tell him, like, you do what you got to do to be confident. But I find that so sexy. Um, there's just something about it that represents wisdom and experience. And I don't know. That's kind of just how I see it in terms of the hair component. Um, but with that being that... This comes or this concludes my very first ever episode of the Bold, Beautiful, and Bearded. Um, I'm very excited to go on this journey with you guys, and I encourage you to subscribe. I encourage you to write comments. I encourage you to share this podcast because, you know, at certain levels, I can start being sponsored. At certain levels, more things happen for the podcast, which will make it grow and allow it to be more, reach more people than it is right now. Because, like I said, my whole goal with this podcast is to broaden people's beauty definition of beauty and broaden their self-acceptance. So the more people that we can get this message to, 
the better the world is going to be. So I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank all of you for starting this podcast journey with me. And I look forward to continuing this journey. Have a good day. Look forward to talking with you all again soon.